addition to having accurate and appropriate nutrition guidance, individuals hoping to achieve and maintain a healthy weight should consider other factors that could impact their success. We can all learn to attend to psychological factors that might be relevant to eating habits and weight management and use those to support our own personal goals. This is Christiana Care's podcast series. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're talking about essential psychology tools for weight management. Our speaker represents Christiana Care's weight management, a program that uses healthcare experts such as dietitians, exercise and behavioral specialists to help people lose weight and keep it off. Joining me is Dr. Margaret Keenan. She's a clinical psychologist and she works in the health psychology division of Christiana Care's Metabolic Health Services and Weight Management Center. Dr. Keenan, it's a pleasure to have you join us today. In addition to having those accurate and appropriate guidance, tell us a little bit, as I said in my intro, about the psychological factors that could impact our goals and our success. In my experience, most people know what they need to do when it comes to losing weight, but a lot of them are just struggling with how to do it. One of the things that I do is I help them think about categories that might be impacting their efforts to make behavior changes. The first thing I often look at with people is what their motivation is for losing weight. I think that's one of the most important factors. So if somebody's telling me something like they want to lose weight because they have their high school reunion coming up or something vague like my doctor told me to lose 20 pounds, that's not really a motivation that's going to stick with them for an extended period of time. So I'm going to help them look at why this matters to them. What's the important reason why they want to be losing weight? What a great point. So how can we all learn to recognize those, as you say, the difference between an emotional factor and just something that the doctor told you to do or because it's a reunion? How can we learn to recognize those psychological factors? So with the motivation part, I think a helpful thing is to start with what are you going to get out of it? Why is this important and why you're going to want to sustain the behavior change over time? Because then you can use that as your touchstone. So for example, if you know there's a strong family history of diabetes for you and you really want that to not develop for you, that's something you can keep coming back to. Or for a lot of people, it's that they have kids Maybe they're still young and they want to be able to run around with their kids and also to live a long time to see their kids grow into adults. So those are things that are much more important and enduring than something like a reunion or your doctor just giving you some health advice. So once you have that reason that you can go back to, then I want to help people develop a new level of awareness about their own behaviors. And that's where something that we call mindfulness comes in. So with the mindfulness factor, I'm hoping that people can develop a sense of awareness of their own behaviors, thoughts, emotion in any given moment, because that can be another tool that they can use to address behavior change with eating or with physical activity right in the moment. Well, I'm so glad that you brought up mindfulness as we're asking these questions to ourselves and trying to be aware, Dr. Keenan, of our own behaviors and what drives them. Can we change that mindfulness awareness? Can we change the way that we think about the food that we're eating, the reasons for our weight loss? Is this a changeable thing? 
Absolutely. And there's a whole field of psychology called cognitive therapy or cognitive behavior therapy that's based on that premise, which is that how we think affects the way we feel and how we behave. So with cognitive therapy, particularly around issues like dieting or weight loss, it helps you to identify some thoughts that you might have that can impact your behavior that may sabotage your own efforts. And that would apply to things like maybe people who tend to be emotional eaters so that they're using food to soothe themselves. It can also help you to identify things like, am I really hungry? And when you're getting full. So learning to recognize your thoughts and then to change the way that you respond to them is absolutely a skill that everybody can learn. Can we learn some of that by journaling, keeping diaries, reading those diaries to ourselves in the mirror? Do you have some cognitive behavioral strategies that you can give us right now that we could try? I think for some people, journaling is very helpful. It helps them to recognize things like how their emotional state impacts their eating. Not everybody's going to want to keep a journal, but oftentimes in cognitive therapy, people will get what we call homework assignments, where we might have them recording specific thoughts that they're noticing that they're having, also recording whatever emotions happening at the time, but then learning the skill of basically learning to talk back to yourself. All of us, I don't care who we are, we have a running stream of thoughts going through our heads about all different kinds of things all day long. And we tend to not notice it a lot of the time. So for example, if I notice that I'm having the thought, ugh, I had such a hard day, I really deserve this brownie or whatever the treat is that I deserve for my, or I'm, I'm thinking of eating. I want to notice that thought that I, so that I can pause and, and ask myself, is there something else I could do that's going to help myself feel better that's not about food, that's not just about turning to the food to soothe myself that might more directly address the fact that I'm not feeling so great? Okay, I love that you said that. But on the other end of the spectrum, Dr. Keenan, is that negative self-talk that we do. So instead of the reward, what can I give myself? It's, oh, I cannot believe I ate that brownie. I am so fat. What am I doing? I just shouldn't have done that to myself, especially women. We negative self-talk ourselves into oblivion. What do you want to tell us about that being something that really restrict our mindfulness and our motivation? I think you're right, and I think it's true that women tend to do that more than men do oftentimes. But the self-talk, I want people to kind of expand their sense of themselves beyond their weight, beyond their body, and to not beat themselves up. We all make bad choices periodically, and you don't want that to define you so that you are able to have a situation where maybe you make a not-so-great choice around food, but then it doesn't have to spiral down where it's what we call the the what-the-hell syndrome, where, oh, I already ate one cookie, I might as well finish the rest of the bag. So again, it's about noticing what that thought process is like, and what I'll often say to people is, learn to talk to yourself the way you would talk to a really good friend. Because most of us are much more rational and honestly much kinder to other people than we are with ourselves. So I want us to take that skill that we are able to apply to other people and start applying it to ourselves. That's really great advice and such a useful tip that we can start doing right now today to talk to ourselves the way we would talk to a good friend. 
Tell us about one of your roles as someone who provides preoperative assessment, education, and support services for individuals undergoing weight loss surgery. Weight loss surgery is a, is a big step for people to take. My goal in meeting with people beforehand is to, A, get to know them a little bit better, but B, to see that there aren't any particular factors or situations going on that would interfere with them getting a good result after surgery. So for example, if I see that somebody is struggling with depression or anxiety and they're not getting any help for it, I know that that could potentially interfere with their success after surgery. So I want to help connect them with services to improve their mood, improve their ability to deal with stressful situations, because then I know it's likely they'll do better after surgery. After surgery, similar kinds of things, because it's, you know, surgery is not a magic wand, and we know that people can struggle afterwards. So if that's going on, I want folks to come back in and see us so that we can look at which elements of some of the things that you and I have been talking about might be giving them some trouble, and to really just help them acquire the skills that are necessary. People often lament that they don't have willpower. And to me, willpower is not a helpful concept. I think when someone talks about having no willpower, they're really saying something negative as if it's a kind of an inherent quality or lack of a certain quality that they have. And what I want them to focus on more is just building skills and strategies that they can apply and to kind of let go of that concept of willpower. Very good point. As we wrap up, Dr. Keenan, what would you like listeners to know about using psychology tools to help with weight management, talking about motivation and mindfulness and self-monitoring and cognitive behavior and negative self-talk and all of these things we've discussed today Put it into a summary for us, if you would. Well, I think it's important to know that it's not a one-size-fits-all. Everybody's different, and some of us may need to focus on the issue of motivation or mindfulness. Somebody else might want to focus more on cognitive strategies or some of the behavioral approaches. So I think what's helpful is to figure out for you, are there any obstacles that you can identify And either on your own, there are lots of good self-help books out there or working with a professional to address the areas that seem like they're going to be most important for you. I also think it's really important to realize that there are these multidisciplinary programs are great because the nutritionist has one set of skills and information to impart, exercise physiologists do, physicians, nurse practitioners, psychology. So that's one of the great things about the program that we have at Christiana and why I enjoy working here so much, that we have this great team of people that can come together and hopefully make a recipe for anybody that will address the needs that they have around weight management. Well, the multidisciplinary approach is so important, and thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise with us today. This concludes this episode of Christiana Care Weight Management Podcast Series. For more information regarding weight loss programs or to schedule an appointment with the weight management team, please call 302-623-3475, or you can visit christianacare.org weight for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Christiana Care Weight Management podcasts. For more health tips and updates, please follow us on your social channels. I'm Melanie Cole.